0: Good morning it's good to have you with us this morning at kirk of the plains and uh, we're just so happy that you could join us for worship this morning on this lord's day Uh, if you are visiting with us for the first time we would love to know that you are joining us unfortunately we can't see that with it being broadcast via the internet but we do have a welcome card a visitor card on our website or if you're utilizing our youtube channel you can look at the description below and there's a link Uh, to that visitor card. And we'd love for you to just to take a few minutes and fill that out and and email that to us along with any prayer requests that you might have. And please be assured we're not going to use this to spam you or to put you on any kind of email list. We just would love to know that you're there and just to be able to pray for you. So if you take a few minutes to do that, we would appreciate that very much. Uh, You'll also notice um, that we have a new uh, site that we've put up to help with those that are utilizing the worship services through their cell phones. We know it's sometimes rather complicated to use a regular website. And so we put up a new page. It's uh, kotp.org backslash welcome. And it's actually to our Welcome Center if you're on our website or if you're uh, utilizing the YouTube uh, channel, it's in the link below. But that'll make it a little bit easier for you to be able to navigate the different uh items that you'll need for the worship service, whether it be the bulletin, the online giving, the YouTube channel video, whatever. So we just wanted to make that available to you if you're using a phone or a tablet. Also, we want to just remind you that uh, we are continuing in on our study on the blessings and the praises of God on Wednesday night. And so if you could join us at 7.30 online on our online room, we would love to have you come and be part of that. Uh, we have uh, given that room name out on our Facebook page, as well as on our church app. So if you would uh, utilize those means to find that and uh, come join us, we would love to have you. Or you can text me as well, and I'll be more than happy to send that information to you. But the discussions have been great, and the studies have been wonderful, of course, as we've looked at God's Word and been encouraged by the different blessings of Scripture. It truly is good to... Um, to gather together and to study God's Word. Just like this morning, it's good to to gather this morning via the internet to come and to worship Him and to praise His name. As we begin today, our time of worship, I want to invite you just to take a few moments and to bow your heads for a, a time of silence and preparation as we come into the presence of the Lord this morning. Please bow with me. Amen, amen. Please stand if you would where you're at and let us hear God's call to worship from Exodus 15, verse two. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Let's continue in our worship this morning as we take our, our hymn books or our worship guides and turn to number 429, Come thou fount of every blessing. God, we thank you so much that we could gather here this morning in your presence. As we reflect upon who you are, we are in awe of your magnificent power that is displayed to us through creation. But Lord, not just through the things that you have made, but through the things that you have remade as you have taken a people who were once your enemies, Lord, once uh, hostile to you and to the gospel message, and you have through the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, made us uh, new creatures in Jesus Christ. Lord, to be your children, to be the recipients of your wonderful blessing. And so we come this morning with grateful hearts and, and thanksgiving, God, to worship you. And we pray that we may know the presence of your Holy Spirit here with us. May we be submissive to your will and obedient to your word and live in a way consistent with your calling in our lives. Father, We ask that you would be present here with us and that your name would be exalted and praised. It is in your name that we pray these things, amen. This morning, as we affirm our faith together, we'll once again be using the Apostles' Creed as we reflect upon who our God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so let me ask you this morning, Christian, what do you believe?
1: I believe in God God the the Father
0: almighty, maker of heaven and earth i believe in jesus christ his only begotten son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit
1: born of the virgin
0: mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified dead and buried he descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead he ascended into heaven And sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit,
1: the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
0: Amen. You may be seated. As you do, please take your Bibles and let us turn to our Old Testament reading. We'll be actually reading the entire chapter of Exodus 16. They set out from Elam, and all of the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it each of you as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. but when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name Manna. It was like corned -er seed, White, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations as the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the 10th part of an ephah. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Would you please bow your heads in prayer with me this morning, let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning and we just give thanks to you, O God, that as we come as your children, that we know that there is nothing that we can do to add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, even as we come this morning, uh, our prayers of confession do not make us more righteous or holy. They do not add to your affections uh, towards your people. That has already been done in Christ. As we come this morning, it's, it's much like a, a child whose father loves him and has made him a part of his family. And there's nothing that can change that relationship. But still, a father loves to see the repentant heart of his son or his daughter. And so, Lord, as we come today, we come recognizing that even though you have been gracious to us, uh, we have not been gracious or obedient to you. Lord, unfortunately, our hearts are way too much like that of the Israelites, where we cannot listen, Lord, where we can be stubborn, where we have hungered after that which does not satisfy. Lord, that we have compromised with with evil. We have uh, doubted your power to protect us or to provide for us. Lord, we have exhibited a lack of faith in, in so many ways. And we come this morning, Lord, asking for your forgiveness and that you would show us your mercy in our times of weakness. Restore us in such love and trust that we may walk in your ways and delight in your will. It is in your name that we pray these things, Lord. Amen. Amen. God's assurance of pardon for us is, is comes to us this morning from Romans chapter six, verse five where we read, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So we come this morning to rejoice in our Lord and our God. Um, As you look at your, your worship guide, Uh, or your bulletin, you'll notice it says that the next song that we'll sing will be We Will Hold Him Fast, but we're actually going to switch that with Before the Throne of God Above. And so instead, would you please take your songbooks and turn to number 277 and let us sing Before the Throne of God Above. Bibles once again if you would and turn to Matthew chapter 19 we'll look at verses 1 through 15 Hear now God's Word now when Jesus had finished these sayings he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and large crowds followed him and he healed them there Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Then children were brought to him that he might lay hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Amen, thus ends the reading of God's word. Please, uh, please be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we gather this morning in your presence, we give thanks to you, O God, for your many blessings that you have poured out upon us. And God, we have been so uh, inundated by the, the news and the things that have been going on that it's it's been so easy, Lord, for us to to just sort of Think about our our own lives and to take for granted the, the things that that you have given to us and not truly, Lord, to exhibit hearts of praise. We confess that we have sought comfort in response to this crisis that we've that we've experienced. We we have turned to, to food and to drink and to entertainment, physical comforts or or maybe even God we have made demands on others even within our own household and been difficult to live with Uh, and Lord for these things we we do ask for your forgiveness but we thank you God that that you are the God who comforts our soul you are the one who who ministers to your people and the one in whom we can find satisfaction and so Lord we pray that you would give us your presence and your peace your your eternal perspective, even upon the things that we are enduring now. Lord, we pray that you would fill our minds with your truth and fill our hearts with your courage. Comfort us so that we might comfort others. Lord, we pray that that you might uh, use us to bring comfort to those who have suffered loss, whether it be family members or friends, Lord, whether it be in the death of a loved one or or in the loss of a job and, and income. Lord, we pray that we might be comfort to those uh, who are hungry, and even those, Lord, who are homeless. Help us as your people, God, to to uh, minister to those that are, are suffering in these times, because God, you are a God who understands suffering, and you are a God who has come to us even in the midst of our great need, and we pray that we might be here for the needs of others, Lord, we pray for those who are lonely, especially those who endure this quarantine without companionship. Uh, Lord, those that may feel that their world is sort of caving in around them, and Lord, are are struggling, uh, just even in uh, the lack of routine in their lives. Father, we pray for our denomination, and and I know we've uh, decided to forego our General Assembly and to postpone it till this next year, And we just pray that that you would help us, God, uh, to continue on as a denomination and uh, be with those, Lord, who will take over areas of responsibility in this coming year. Give them strength and and wisdom to follow you and to serve your church well. Father, we pray for Evangel Presbyterian Church in Wichita, we thank you for the partnership that we have with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ and pray that you would bless our, our sister denomination, our sister churches. But Lord, we also pray for churches that are not part of our denomination, like Center Point Church here in Andover. And we just pray for your blessing on this church plant and ask God that you would uh, cause them to grow and to flourish, uh, to grow in, in their love for you and their witness for you in the community, and pray that you might add to their numbers daily. Lord, we also pray for John, Mark, and Jenny who work with the persecuted church around the world and pray that you would bless our missionaries and just uh, watch over and, and care for them and use them, God, as they seek to um, work on behalf of your church. Lord, we just thank you so much so we could lift up our needs to you. We continue to pray, Lord, for our government. We thank you for the, the plan, the news that we heard this week. and But Lord, even in the midst of that, while it's good to have a plan, we also very much feel our our frailty and understand that we still don't understand a timetable. And so Lord, I pray that uh, even in these times that we would not look to our government for hope, but to you, Um, please be with our delegated officials and use them Lord. Um, But Lord, we know that our hope only comes in you. And so Father, we pray for those that are still uh, out there whether it be in grocery stores, hospitals, uh, Walmarts, uh, those, Lord, that are out with the public, we pray for your protection upon them and ask God that you would watch over and care for them. Uh, We just thank you, Lord, that we could lift up our needs to you because God, we are reminded in your word that yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lift our hearts to praise you. But also, Lord, as we come this morning and give of our tithes and our offerings to you, we give them to you who owns all things and under which all things are placed. And pray that you might receive these gifts, Lord, as as our worship to you. It is in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Let's uh, stand and sing the Gloria Patri. Mm-hmm. Bible this morning and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 14, 15, and 16. Let us give attention to God's word this morning. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, left us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another opportunity this morning to study your word. We ask again for the guidance of your Holy Spirit as we open your word this morning. You know, Lord, uh, you know us. You know uh, how weary and discouraged and and even callous we can become as, as we walk as strangers in this world. We pray that you would apply your word to our lives to strengthen and to sustain us. Fill our eyes with Jesus and our hearts with love for him. It is in your name that we pray these things. Amen. For those of you who were able to to join us on Wednesday night for our study of Jude, verses 24 and 25, you may recall H.B. Charles in the video we watched telling the story of a little boy who was taking a walk with his father, and he was holding on to his dad's hand very tight, and he was very proud of that. And as he walked along, he kept tripping and and stumbling and and even falling. And and after uh, a little bit, he got sort of tired of that. And he looked up at his dad, and he says, Dad, I have a a better idea. Instead of me holding your hand, why don't you hold my hand? And of course, his father looked down on him and smiled and grabbed his hand firmly. And from then on, the little boy never stumbled or, or fell again because his father was able to catch him. And in many ways, that's a great picture of the Christian life. God... Is able to keep you when you're not able to keep yourself. Be it from sin, from error, whether it be from temptation, God is able to keep you. And, and this is important because the Christian life is, is not easy. I know there are many preachers out there that will tell you otherwise, that will preach that you can have your best life now or they're preaching some kind of prosperity gospel you can name it and claim it and have what you want but the reality is is that that's not what the bible teaches and if you don't believe me i encourage you just to read your bible and don't just pick out verses here and there but just read it through and see what it says and and you'll see that the bible talks about even like the apostle paul writes to one of the churches and he says that if you're a christian you will suffer the christian life can be very very difficult Um, even though some people might think otherwise it sort of reminds me of a young woman who came to her pastor and was sharing with her pastor how one of her co-workers had belittled her Christianity and she had said that her Christianity was an escape it was a crutch from the difficulties of real life to which the young lady said to her co-worker she said an escape Uh, You try to live as a Christian. You try to wage war against the desires of the flesh. You try to live as an alien in a strange land. And then you come and you tell me whether Christianity is easy or not. And the reality is, is, she was right. You know, we have an enemy who is trying to, if you want to use the language of Jude, of stumbling, he's trying to trip us up. Uh, Peter says that Satan is a lion that's seeking to devour us. He's seeking to sabotage our faith. And as we look to the letter of Hebrews and to these believers, we see that these believers were people who had experienced Satan's work in their lives to discourage them in the face of life's difficulties. The difficulties that all Christians go to go through at one point or time, another in their lives. And so the author here charged on, or as we read here in verse 14, to hold fast our confession. The confession is that those things that we say we believe. I mean, this morning as we uh, or affirmed our faith together, we confessed what we believe. We use the Apostles Creed to talk about God as Father and Son and Holy Spirit those weren't just mere words. Those weren't just quoting an old document that was written down. Those are the summations of the realities that we as Christians believe and hold to. And the author is charging his readers to press on in the faith, not to be hardened in their hearts in the face of such difficulties. But he's not just saying to them, just do it, but instead, the author here is seeking to bring these Christians comfort and to to understand that they have help in their time of need. Because you see, God is able to keep you when you're not able to keep yourself. And so he's challenging them to rely upon the resources that God has given to them to persevere. And and we've seen a number of these already in the book of, of Hebrews. But Uh, Let me just point out just a few. First of all, in chapter 3, verse 13, he talks about Christian fellowship. We as Christians have the body of Christ to exhort us and to encourage one another. As a matter of fact, he says later on in chapter 10, verse 25, don't neglect the meeting together. It's important. I mean, church is not just important because as a church, we want you to come, but it, it is God's work in the life of the believer to help hold us fast, to persevere in, in our faith. And if if it feels to you strange that you're not here worshiping with us in this sanctuary this morning, it is weird. It's it's not such that you ought to be home and worshiping. We're thankful that we're able to do this, but God, but Christian fellowship is so important. But he also tells us that God has given us his word in chapter four, verse 12. He talks about the word that imparts life to us and stirs us up in our faith, but we see also in the word of God that that it exposes our hearts for what it is, and we as, even as Christians, can think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but the word of God shows us what truly is going on inside of us because we can't always tell. We think we know our heart, but our heart is very deceptive, and so He's given us that word to, to see who we are so that we might turn to him and trust in God and his character and the promises that we see that is given to us in his word. And so those are just a couple of resources, but he wants to go on to tell us of something more in verses 14 through 16, and that is prayer. Prayer through which we come before God's very throne to receive the mercy and the grace we need to press on in the faith. Now. It's not like the writer is just saying, okay, guys, just pray. That's all you need to do, just pray. Instead, he says, let me tell you about the one to whom you're praying. Let me tell you about your great high priest because you have such a great high priest who is already in heaven that even though you are a sinner saved by grace, You are a stranger in this world and you are struggling. You have hope that you will enter God's rest because he is such a great high priest. And so this morning, I want us to look at this high priest that he talks about in these verses. And he tells us three things about our great high priest. First of all, he says, our high priest is one who saves. He's one who saves. He says, since then, we have a great high priest now, the, the language here in, in these, just these couple of verses is just full of, of pictures of, from the Old Testament. I mean, actually the entire book of Hebrews is that way. But, but these verses especially, which would have resonated with these Jewish believers because they had grown up hearing and, and reading the Old Testament. And so these things would have struck home with them. But, but as they would have heard this phrase, since then we have a great high priest, it would have brought to mind the work of the high priest on behalf of the people of God in the Old Testament. If you remember in the tabernacle and in the temple, there were many priests who would serve before the Lord, but there was only one high priest uh, who would uh, enter into the Holy of Holies on one day a year on the Day of Atonement. He would make a sacrifice on behalf of the people of God for their sins to reconcile God's people with himself and he would offer that sacrifice on their behalf. But but we read here that Jesus is not just simply a high priest but the great high priest. He he's showing us that Jesus is superior to any human high priest that there is. And and there's we'll look at this topic later on so we won't go much farther than that. But let it suffice to say that while a high priest would offer a, an animal sacrifice to the Lord, our, our high priest, Jesus Christ, offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins of his people and reconcile them to God. If you look back at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, he says here that Jesus had to become like us. He had to become human, flesh and blood, like us so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. In other words, Jesus had to come and satisfy the wrath of God. That's what that big word propitiation means, to satisfy the wrath of God that was poured out on the sins of his people. And so Christ saved us. But as our great high priest, he he not only saved us, but he also passed through the heavens um, that here again, this is a, a contrast between Jesus is our great high priest and, and what a regular high priest was. And, and I would suggest to you in much the same way that the writer has been talking about how Jesus is greater than the angels, he's greater than Moses. He's now telling us that Jesus is even greater than Aaron, the first high priest. And, and as the high priest, Aaron would have gone to the altar, given the sacrifice, And then he would take the blood and he would go through the outer court, through the holy place, passing through the veil and out of sight of the people into the holy of holies, which represents the presence of God. And then he would have sprinkled that blood in the holy of holies. But the writer here is saying, but Jesus, our greater high priest, has penetrated to the very presence of God. He is passed through the heavenlies straight into the presence of God. Jesus, in his ascension, passed out of sight of his disciples in much the same way that the high priest would have gone behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus Christ ascended through the heavenly regions to the actual throne room of God, um, which the Holy of Holies was just a mere copy of. Jesus, our high priest, is in the presence of God, and that's where he's going to take his people. Now, the verb, when it says, he passed through the heavens, it's it's actually in the perfect tense, which indicates an action in the past with an ongoing and continuous result. In English, what that means is that Jesus passed through the heavens and he is still there doing what he went there to do. So unlike the the high priest who would go in and offer the blood and then come out of the Holy of Holies, Jesus remains there as our high priest before God himself. Now, brothers and sisters, this is important for us to grasp. I think it's so easy to just think, you know, Jesus died for me on the cross for my sins. Kids, I bet at home you you say the same thing. Maybe even sometimes we can just sort of say it with, uh, a sense of familiarity that does sort of breed contempt. It's not that we don't appreciate or we're not thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ, but maybe sometimes it's hard to translate that into a day-to-day life, other than to think of ourselves as once maybe not being believers and now having a change of status and the fact that we are now in Christ. But but what about those times when we are struggling in our faith? What about those times when we are, are wrestling? How does this come to bear upon us you see it is maybe in those times that we feel like we can't come to God in the prayer that maybe we're not even worthy to come before God to pray and to ask for his help you know we we know what the writer said in verse 12 how God's word has exposed to us uh, that which lacks in our hearts we see the hypocrisy In us, we see the pride in our hearts and we think, God, I'm not worthy to be your child. And and then we see in verse 13 of chapter four, that not only is that as our heart exposed to ourselves, but it is also our heart and our life is exposed to the God who judges us. And so what makes us think that God is going to listen to us? How could I ever come to him in prayer? It is because your high priest is in heaven. Jesus is in the presence of God, pleading for his people. And so we must not think that what we think in our minds or what we feel in our emotions is what defines what's true. But we must understand and hold fast to our confession of faith knowing that God is able to keep you when you're not able to keep yourself. So we have a high priest who saves us. But he also says that we have a high priest who sympathizes with us as well in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So the writer here uses a a double negative, which can sometimes be very confusing. But he does that to stress the impossibility of the statement. What what he's really trying to say is this, he wants us to walk away knowing that Jesus definitely sympathizes with his people and what they're going through. Because it can be easy to think that because our high priest is God, in verse 14, he he actually calls him the son of God. And because he is exalted in heaven and he remains there, I, I don't see Jesus. And, and and he's in heaven, that, that sometimes it's easy to think of him as removed from our daily toils and, and our daily struggles. And and so, you know, maybe our struggle is not just that we feel unworthy to come before God, but maybe we think God doesn't really care. God's actually out of touch, he doesn't really understand what it is that we are going through. It's interesting. And I'll just point this out. If you look back at verse fourteen, you see that our high priest is not only described as the Son of God, but he's also called Jesus. And we might think that's his first name, and Christ is his last name, but that's not true. Okay, the the name Jesus was a name that was given to the Messiah when he was born, and so Jesus points to his humanity. And so what he's saying there in verse fourteen is is that the, our high priest is Jesus, the son of God, the God-man. He's fully God and, and he is fully man. And, and even though the Bible describes Jesus or the, the high priest as is, is Jesus, I think as, as Christians even, it's easier for us to think of Jesus as God than it is as fully man. I think we really sometimes wrestle with that. And, and even sometimes when we think of Christ's humanity, It can oftentimes be viewed in light of his divinity. And what I mean by that is this that, you know, sometimes if you refer to Jesus as as a man, people will say, yeah, but he was also God. You know, almost as if uh, his humanity was a different kind of humanity than what we possess ourselves. But the writer here to the Hebrews wants to, to say, no, no, let me set the record straight. That's not right. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. So so Jesus is not only fully acquainted with our human nature because he is God and he has made us, but he is touched with the feeling of our weakness. You see, he has been tempted in extent and range in every way as we have. Nothing in the human experience is foreign to him, and he has been tempted just as we are. Actually, I would suggest to you that he has been tempted more intensely than we have, and he actually has endured more intensely than we have. I mean, just take, for example, the fact that uh, Christ's uh, temptation in the wilderness was Satan. How many of us have been tempted by Satan face to face and and after 30 days of of fasting and and no bread, and yet he was? Or or how many of us have, have struggled to the intensity that Jesus had struggled in the garden of Gethsemane before he was going to the cross? So intense that he sweat drops of blood. Or, or even when Christ was on the cross. I mean, he is coming to the culmination of fulfilling his call by God of what he was sent to do and what he wanted to come to do for the Father. He's on the cross, and what is said to him, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Even to the very end, he is being tempted. Now, now these are unique examples of, uh, or excuse me, these are examples uh, of the unique temptations of the Son of God. But still, they were nonetheless temptations that came to him in his incarnation, is true humanity. I mean, when we think about temptations, temptations we endure are given to us in accordance with what we're able to bear. That's what Paul says in First Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but that is... Uh, Excuse me. no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man in other words it's not unique to you god is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it and we think about the trials and and the temptations that we have gone through and how difficult those have been and and how we we feel like well i could never have stood had it not been for the strength that God had given to me. Now take that and imagine the depth of the temptations that Jesus Christ endured. And I think honestly, we we can. Yet he withstood the depth and the force of these temptations and overcame them as the sinless one. And so in this, he sympathizes with us. He is touched with the, the, the feeling of our weaknesses. Now, when we use the word sympathy, we oftentimes think of, of feeling sorry for someone, maybe who has gone through some very difficult uh, circumstances. You know, maybe they've gone through hardships and our heart just goes out to them. And we just like, oh I, wish, oh, I just feel so bad for you. I wish I could there's something that I could do. But maybe we don't really understand what they've gone through because we've never gone through that. But if you empathize with someone, then what you're saying to them, not only do I feel what you're going through, I actually have gone through that myself. And and I understand uh, some of the struggles that you're going through. And, and, And your high priest understands what you're going through. He endured the full range of temptation yet without sinning. Never once did his faith weaken. Never once did he disobey the Father. Think about that. That is the high priest, that is the sinless God-man who is our high priest in heaven and to whom we pray. He is the God who has the power to do something about it, and he is the man that understands what it is that we are going through. You see, basically, what the author uh, wanting his readers to understand is, is that the Lord you serve, the Savior to whom you look to, is not distant. From your trials but he feels them with intimate acquaintance he understands those trials and and not only that you know even the idea of empathy doesn't really quite get at the word for sympathy in the Greek actually that word also entails with it the idea of actively helping in the midst of our weakness and so Jesus sympathizes with us not just empathizing saying hey I have gone through this I understand this but there's a sense in which he comes to help his people. Look back at Hebrews 2:18. He said for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So so Jesus is not disinterested or cold to what you're going through. He came to this earth and took on our humanity precisely so that he might now be able to sympathize with us. He is eminently able to represent you before the throne of the heavenly father, pleading your cause, securing your place, and procuring the spiritual resources that you need. So brothers and sisters, if you are here today, I encourage you, don't give up. Because Christ is in heaven, in human flesh, having endured what you have gone through now, and, and not only that, but even more. And yet without falling into sin. So, so cry out to him. I, I think oftentimes, as I have gone through uh, difficult times, maybe really, really, really hard times. And and sometimes as I as I go through those sufferings and those trials, I just think, you know, I don't think there's anybody else that understands what I'm going through. You know what I'm talking about? There's times when you just wish that people understood. You get lots of people around you that want to fix you and give you solutions, but people that understand you, that's rare. But Christian, I want you to understand that we can't say that about our high priest, that he doesn't understand. He does. He more than understands. He sympathizes with us and actively helps us. So he is uh, the high priest who saves us. He is the high priest who sympathizes with us, but he's also the high priest who sits. Yeah, you heard me right. He sits. And you think, okay, that sounds sort of anticlimactic, you know, because when we think of sitting, we think of just sort of taking it easy. We sort of think of, you know, inactivity. Uh, maybe even we think of laziness. I don't know. But, you know, we think of sitting. What, what good can that be? But look at verse 16. He said, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, what is this throne of grace that he's talking about? Well, it is the throne upon which Jesus sits in the splendor of his finished work upon the cross. Okay, in other words, Christ finished his work upon the cross and he sat down to say it's finished. Uh, Look at Hebrews chapter one, verse three. Speaking of Jesus, it says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of on high. And so for Jesus, sitting is something pretty spectacular. He's saying that he has accomplished what he came to accomplish, and now he sits upon the throne to rule over all things. Now he is involved in the application of our salvation. I think oftentimes when we think about that, we think only it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but Christ also applies our salvation as well. And so now the author comes to us and he tells us, that we should approach this throne of grace. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, he means that we should come to God in prayer based on Christ's high priestly ministry, the fact that he has saved us, the fact that he sympathizes with us, and so we should come so confidently. Now, here again, the language to a Jew would have been very striking because the idea of this, this throne of grace reminds us that it is the place, you know, the place where we're coming to pray is the place where the the blood was offered in the Old Testament. It is the mercy seat is what it means. Um, uh, it's that place between the cherubim. If you remember, in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. I know you're all thinking Indiana Jones right now. Uh, but you know, thinking the Ark of the Covenant, and you have on the top these two cherubim, and that covering of that lid in between this cherubim, that was the mercy seat. And what he is saying is, Is Christian enter into the Holy of Holies the place where the blood of Jesus Christ was that's where God calls sinners to come and to meet with him where he comes to rule over us and he says here that we're to draw near that that idea of drawing near here again it's Old Testament language uh, found in Leviticus 16 if you remember when Aaron being the first high priest, he didn't understand how he was supposed to come into the Holy of Holies. God had to give him instructions saying, this is exactly how you do it, so that, that you don't incur my wrath. Unlike Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, who decided they were gonna just barge in and just minister before the Lord any way they wanted to. And as a result, they lost their life. But, but it, so he tells Aaron how he is to draw near to God. And and amazingly, in Christ, our high priest, we have that access, that ability to draw near confidently into his presence. Not, brothers and sisters, because we're worthy, not because we've done something in particular or haven't done something, but it's because what Christ has done. So even though you may come this morning, and as I said, may feel timid to come to God when you know that you're so prone to succumb to sin, he says to you, draw near. Draw near in your time of need. The access that we have is through our great high priest. And through him, we receive all the needed assistance in our pilgrimage to heaven. So we draw near with confidence that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Brothers and sisters, we need that every day. As I said, Satan is seeking to attack us. We have our flesh that battles within us. We have the world that is seeking to conform us into his image. We need his grace and his mercy every day. His grace being that, those gifts that we don't deserve to receive. And his mercy is him not treating us as we ought to. We ought to be outcasts. we ought to incur his wrath, and yet he shows us his great love, his great gentleness, his strength, his presence. God gives us these wonderful gifts. And it says here, as we draw near with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace um, to help us in our time of need. The the idea here is, is that Jesus gives us help at just the right time, just when we need it. Maybe when we're struggling the most. It's in our weakness, as he says in verse 15. Jesus gives us just the help we need and those times when we are most weak. Now, I think we need to also understand that when he tells us to draw near or to come into his presence, that actually that's in the present tense. And so it has with it the idea of, let us continue to draw near. Let us continue to come into his presence. We have a a friend, we have an advocate in the court of the Lord, and let let that compel us to come before his presence. and and to pour out our hearts to him and to receive that which we need now we may not always know what we need and we may think we do but we may not always even as human beings we can be very weak in the midst of temptation and we may cry out to the lord for relief and for reprieve and the lord doesn't answer our prayer and it's not that he doesn't care for us he does But he knows that what we need in that moment of temptation is not relief nor reprieve but it is strength strength to endure that temptation or that trial so that we might be made in in his image but our high priest he knows what we need he is here to help us because he is one that understands us i I appreciate what dr john murray how he put it he said he gives you his sympathy and help with an effectiveness that is nothing less than omnipotent compassion. Think about that, omnipotent compassion. Omnipotent being all-powerful, Christ gives us his all-powerful compassion in those times of trial, and those times of struggle, and those times when we are wrestling with our faith. Think about that. Do you see God that way? Do you understand your high priest is one who gives you omnipotent compassion? What are you struggling with today? What what are you wrestling with? Whatever it is, come to your savior and your high priest who who understands you and is able to help you in this time of need. Draw near to him, not, not simply because he understands you and, and what it is to be human, or, or even that he knows your sin and your struggle with sin, but draw near to him because he knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to face your temptations. You see, there's a, there's a human being like you sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty today, and he is your high priest. And when you come to him and you admit the things to him that you are afraid for anyone else to know he won't sneer at you he won't look down upon you with condescension he won't say you worm how could you ever struggle with that he will never say that instead you're going to hear i understand that i was tempted that way too See, it's it's mind-boggling to think that the Son of God knows how you feel to be tempted because he was tempted like you in, in ways like you are. In fact, he has been tempted in ways, as I said earlier, that were even beyond what we were tempted. I think it's interesting that sometimes as Christians we're tempted to think, you know, God doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. When in reality, the truth is we don't understand what he has gone through for us and he is there so let us draw near to the throne of grace today let us cry out to him where we are to receive the mercy and the grace that you need to stand firm in your faith to persevere to the end because god has given you all that you need to persevere he is able to keep you when you're not able to keep yourself Mm -hmm. Please bow with me. Our Lord and our God, we, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We, we pray that, that you would work We pray that you would work your word deep in our hearts so that we would believe and that we would trust you so that we could really cling to Jesus, who really is the one who clings to us and draw near to you because you have dealt with our sins at Calvary and you promise that you would never leave nor forsake us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage our souls to know who our high priest is. And so, Lord, let us come This morning, boldly asking you for that which we need, knowing that you understand and you will answer it according to our true need. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. It is in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Let us uh, take our our song sheets, if we could, our our worship guides. And uh, let us... Turn to. He will hold me fast. It's the second song in your uh, in your sheet. But let us sing. He will hold me fast. <laughs> it's not the same and uh, to have fellowship after church is just a a sweet blessing and unfortunately in these times we're not able to do that in person but we would like to do that virtually and so if you'd like to join us in in the same online room that we use for our Bible study and if you don't know what that is just send me a text and I'll be more than happy to help get you on but uh, we're gonna be opening that room now at this time just so you can have the time to jump online and to visit with one another and to encourage one another as well. Please be encouraged with God's blessing upon his people from Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever
1: amen Praise god from the blessings for. praise him